Well, it was uh, probably in the early 2000s. And myself and about 15 people were down in a little town in Mexico called Reynosa. And I think I mentioned to you before, it was a dangerous community. What happened was I was on a mission trip, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and I took a group of kids down to Mexico, and we did some VBS and that kind of thing. But one particular part of the job that we wanted to do is there were a small team of us, just three or four guys that were... I'll say almost handy, okay? I was more of a helper, but I was there. And we were working on this church building. And one night, the, 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 really the project we were working on just went slower than we anticipated. And we find ourselves working late into the night. Like, till, you know, like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And now we got to head home. And let me tell you, when you are four white, very white West Virginia boys, okay... And you're down in the inner city of this town called Reynosa, Mexico, and you're driving home. It was scary. It really was. We're driving down this road, and as we're going, it's like somehow we're, we're headed down this little road, and like the street somehow gets narrower as we go, okay? It's like everything is crowding in on us more and more and more the farther we get down the road. And the further we go, little Mickey McDonald now, I was now like a 10-year-old child practically sitting in the car. I'm getting scareder and scareder because the people outside are getting scarier and scarier. And we're moving along, and it's just like, you just feel, you ever had those moments where you just feel like something is wrong, something is scary, something isn't right? I was feeling that big time as I'm traveling through Reynosa. It's a long, straight street, and all along the way, there's this one guy in the truck, just one, four of us in the cab of this truck, smashed in this little truck, traveling down the road now at a high rate of like, you know, 15 miles an hour, because you just can't hardly go. There's one guy who had the directions. One guy. The rest of us are scared out of our minds. And the whole time he keeps saying, don't worry, Lowell, don't worry, I know where we're going. And I'm like, dude, you do not know where we're going. I can look around, you have no idea where we're headed. No, I'm telling you, Lowell, I know where we're going. And then he said this. We kind of slowed down, and he, he got kind of angry, okay? He's driving, and he looks at me, and he's like, Lo, I'm telling you, I promise you, I know where I'm going. And it was weird. The whole cab, all four of us, himself, him included, we just kind of calmed down in that moment because my buddy pulled out an important word. He said, I promise you, it's true. Listen, there's something about a promise. There's something about a promise. There's something about somebody, and it's not about using that really special word, it's, but it's something about a person who says what they mean and mean what they say. There's something about a person that when they speak, you know it's true. You know it's accurate. Take it to the bank. If they say it, it's going to be true. That is honored in almost every culture in the world. There's a respect for integrity, a respect for honesty, a respect for a man or a woman who says it and it's true. Today I want to look at a promise that God has made. I want to look at a promise that God has made to you if you're a child of God. And I want to just remind you that it will be God that is speaking. And God 
keeps his word. Now this morning, I'm telling you, some of you, when I share with you what the promise is, you're going to say to me, Lo, I've been following Jesus for a while, and I'm not sure this is true. We're going to be promised today from God. Go in his word. What happened to this thing? <laughs> Did it go down? Really? See, that we, we've had this thing specially designed. It does that. And as I get louder, it kind of goes up. And then it goes, no, not at all. I'm going to switch this out. Would that bother you? Open up your Bible to Ephesians, okay? Find the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at a promise. Is it going to go down? It'd be kind of cool if it did. We're looking in Ephesians. We've been walking through chapter 1. Find it in your Bible, and let's read it again. Let me just remind you of what's going on here. I don't know that we talk too much about this, but the author is in prison. The author is in prison as he writes this. It's the Apostle Paul, okay? He's sitting in a prison environment as he writes out for us these words that the Spirit of God worked in his life. And listen, he, he will be under house arrest for two years. He has been arrested for simply sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ that has found him under house arrest. He does not know what the future holds. For all, of, for all he knows, he will give up his life. Because of the gospel of Jesus. He's a follower of Christ. And because of that, he finds himself in a desperate situation. And in that moment, when you are in a desperate situation, you depend upon promises. In Ephesians, we've been, walk, we've been walking through chapter 1. Go with me there. I want to read it to you. It's a, it's a long passage today. We've been dealing with it for the last four weeks. We're going to nail down on the last couple verses. I'm going to start at verse number 3 and read this for you. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse number seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, we've been talking about this passage for about a month. I identified what I called the sweet 16, okay? 16 things 
that God promises that he has done and is doing in our life. I'll show you them up on the screen here. You can go ahead and see the way that they kind of play out. Okay, just as review, we had, first of all, on the left-hand side, we've got all that the Father does, okay? And these were done before the foundation of the world. When you came to Christ at the moment that you trusted Jesus, that is something that God had established before the very foundation of the world, and so when you pray for that friend of yours or that, that relative or that coworker, or wherever, if you're praying that they would put their trust in Jesus, as you should, as you are living out your call to be an ambassador for Christ, and you are praying for God to save someone, you are praying that God would work before the foundation of the world. It blows your mind when you consider who our God is. And we saw several things that the Father did in bringing us to him. Every blessing is ours. We are holy and blameless and chosen, predestined and adopted and placed in the beloved of God. Before the foundation of the world, God did that in his children. What a blessing. Then we move forward into what the son did at the cross. And these things are finished. This is what Jesus did. This is when he went to the cross for our sins. It wasn't to give us a model of what it looks like to serve. It wasn't to to show us what happens when man does bad things to people. No. He went to the cross for our sin. We preach Christ crucified. And at that cross, we were given redemption. We were forgiven. We were lavished with grace. From the very character of God, His grace is just lavished upon us. And last week we talked about that word. That's the, this idea of superabundant grace. There is no limit to the grace of God. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? I need that grace, not just yesterday. I need it for this very day. And I'm going to need it tomorrow. And it's going to be lavished on me tomorrow as I'm leaning upon the grace of God. This is what Jesus has done made known to us the mystery, and united us in him. Now today what we're going to do, we're going to look at two other things that really boil down to what the Son has done in our life, and then we're going to move to the promised Holy Spirit and see what it is that God has done in our lives. Let's start out with inheritance obtained. Inheritance obtained. That's in verse number 11. Let me just read it to you, okay? It says this, In him we have an obtained, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his word. Now let me just say just a few things about this obtaining this inheritance. Now we know what inheritance is. Inheritance is something that I receive from somebody else. Somebody else has, has done something to, to really gather up this thing and they are then in, I am now inheriting it from them. And the remarkable thing about this inheritance, just wanted to show you a couple things here. Notice it says, in him, we have obtained this. I am passive in this obtaining of this inheritance. I don't earn it. I don't, I don't work for it. I don't keep it. I have obtained it. It's a passive thing that when I put my trust in Christ, it's given to me. And notice it's a past thing. It's already done, folks. If you're in Jesus, his inheritance is yours. You don't have to earn, keep, or develop it. It is yours in Christ. And lastly, it is 
permanent, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. We talked about this word predestined. Here's what it means. You and I, if you're in Jesus, you have a planned destiny. You have a planned destiny. God, the architect of all things, has now said, this will be your destiny. This inheritance is a big deal. I guess we probably ought to know what it is. Now, the world would say, the thing we need to desire to inherit would be a big sum of money, right? And listen, that wouldn't be all bad. I mean, if you want to offer me that, I'd take it. There's nothing wrong with that. But is that the greatest thing that we could long for? I mean, the world offers that. Is that what we're going to desire? Maybe it's a great, big, beautiful home, okay? Maybe that's what it is. Is is that this inheritance that we're going to receive? Well, there's a hint here for us. It says, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, I read that, and I, I, I want to know what this purpose is. Open up your Bible, turn your Bible to Romans chapter 8. I I want you to see what this inheritance that you are promised is. God has made a promise to us as his children that we will obtain some inheritance and it works according to the purpose of his will. Go to Romans chapter 8 and you see what this purpose is and you see what this inheritance is and I want to challenge you with it. In many different ways. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 29. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he being God, also predestined, there's that word again, a planned destiny, to be conformed, we would be conformed to the image of his Son. Here's what this means. For some, what I'm getting ready to share, and you know what I'm going to say, For some, what I'm going to share is a valuable inheritance. To many, it's foolishness. What I want to tell you your inheritance is, to to those who are in Christ and who know him, this is valuable. But outside of that, it's it's worthless. And is this. God has promised that he will conform you to the image of his son. This is what God has promised. This is the very destiny of your life. This is what has been predestined. This is what God is doing. This is your inheritance. That you and I, we have a great God of the universe who's working out a plan in the life of his children to conform us to him. And just follow through the logic with me here. If God is the greatest being to ever live, if God is the greatest, and if he loves us, if those two truths are true, he is greatest and he loves us, then the most natural thing for him to do the thing that aligns with his character the most, because he loves us, is to conform us to his son. This is your destiny. This 
is your inheritance. My toy for today, last week it was an Etch-a-Sketch. Today, it's a hula hoop. Now, what you guys don't know about me is I am a world-famous hula hoop artist, okay? And so, I'm just kidding, not at all, not at all. But here's what this represents, okay? Here's, here's the picture that I want to have in your brain today and in your heart this week. Because it is essential to knowing what God is doing in our life, okay? Now, here's you when you came to Christ, all right? This, these two circles, they represent you. Now, in Christ, he has given you redemption, forgiveness, lavished upon you his grace. And you are a brand new creature. You have a great inheritance that you have obtained. And the next phrase is that it's a hope that we have, a confident expectation that God is conforming us to his image. And that's what this circle here represents on your right-hand side. But then in life, we live this on this planet in this suit made of flesh. And the reality is we're actually kind of doing this at times, aren't we? We, we, have, this, we have this part of us that, that is of God, that is Christ. And we have this part of us that is our flesh, that, that isn't under the sub, subjection, the submission, isn't under the lordship of Jesus. And what God promises us is that he's doing this great work in us to bring these two circles of our life, how? Into one. This is the promise that God has made to you. This is what God is going to do in your life. I know this is your experience. I know that. And this part in the middle here, this loud part, hurts at times. I know that. When the two worlds collide, I know it brings friction. It brings challenge. But it's the recognition of a promise. It's a recognition of the promise that God is working in us. This is your inheritance. The question that I really want to deal with today is how do we go from here to here? How do we allow God's spirit now to do this in our life? Because I'm a follower of Christ, because I'm adopted in his family, because I'm a brand new born again creature, I want this. I want this. The children of God want this. How do we get there? How do we get there? We're going to see that. Go back to Ephesians 1. It says, So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of His glory. One of our 16, I, I need to say it here because we're trying to hit all 16 of these. One of, the, one of the 16 is that hope that we have. That confident expectation that we have that Christ is doing this in us. But what I want us to see is that the means, the means of God bringing this work in our life is the promise of verses 13 and 14. Read them with me. In him you also, 
when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee now of our inheritance. There it is. Until we acquire possession of it, until this happens, to the praise of his glory. You see, what I'm driving hard at here, what the basket I'm driving hard to, is the Spirit of God in our lives. I have been overwhelmed as I've been reading through the Gospels and looking at the the work of Jesus, at the life of Jesus, at the person of Jesus. I've been consumed with how consumed he was with the Spirit of God. And and I've I've said this to you guys before, but I'll, I'll say it probably many times. We need to recognize that the person of the Trinity, the person of the Godhead that you and I are interacting with on a most regular basis in our life, on a daily, moment-by-moment basis, is the very Spirit of God. And as Jesus anticipated this, he was overwhelmed with hope for us. Turn back in your Bible with me. Let's go to the Gospel of John. Go with me to the Gospel of John here. I want to just look at at some of the things that Jesus said about you and me and about the Spirit of God. And and what I want to try to do as you turn here, go to John chapter 14, go there now. What I want to try to deal with in your heart, I want to talk right now to the person who's in this room, who you've heard some of this before, and you might even say, I've actually tried this low. I've tried this and it just didn't work. It didn't work. Because I find that there's a certain segment of the Christians that I interact with here in you know, Martinsburg, West Virginia, our version of Christianity, there's a certain segment of believers who have that kind of a pessimistic attitude. They say, Lo, I, I stepped out one time when I was a teenager and I tried to live for Christ. Or when I first got saved, I was just really excited about the Lord, and then it all just kind of fizzled. Or they say to me, you don't understand, Lowell. This thing that I'm dealing with, it's it's in my life every single day. Every day, every time I turn on the computer, every time I go someplace, it's there, right there. It haunts me, and it destroys me every single time. And I sit there across the table from people that just have given up all hope and what God could do in their life. We need to recognize that that is not what we saw in Ephesians 1. God can work in your life. God is working in your life. It is not too late for you. You have not missed the boat. That's not the case. The Lord Jesus would say to you, you return to your first love. You return to your first love. And I'm asking you again today to believe with me, believe with me that the Spirit of God can work in your life. I'm telling you, I I come in here every Sunday morning and I'm convinced that somebody in this place is going to turn their life over to Christ Every single Sunday, I walk in here thinking that. You might laugh at me. You might, Lord, do you really think that's the case? Yeah, I do. And you can ask. You try to talk me out of it, and I will talk you down. 
you are not going to convince me that God's Spirit can't work in your heart right now. You are not unreachable. Your ear is not deaf to the Spirit of God. You found John, John 14 yet? I just want to hit several passages here that show that Jesus is expecting. He's expecting to work in our lives. Go to John 14, 26, first of all. John 14, 26. Look what Jesus says. He says, I've said a lot of things to you in verse number 25. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus says, I'm sending one. He's telling his, he's telling his disciples, I'm going to die. I'm going I'm to leave you. But don't worry. I'm not leaving you as orphans, John 15. Instead, here in John 14, he says, I'm sending another one. Go over to John chapter 15. Look at verse number 26 there. See what Jesus says there. But when this helper comes, the very helper that he's speaking of, the Spirit of God, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, whom proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Folks, when God's Spirit comes, when Jesus sends His Spirit, it's going to be, He's going to be a change element in our lives. And it's going to mean change for us. Go over to John. John 16 is just packed full of truth of what Jesus had to say about the Spirit. Go to verse number 7 with me. Notice what it says here. Nevertheless, Jesus says, this is Jesus now speaking. He's he's going to the cross in just a matter of hours. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper would not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus now in the flesh, speaking to his disciples, says, listen, you are better off. They've been with him for over three years now, many of them. They've been learning from him. They've been seeing what he's doing. He's been teaching him to pray, teaching him to do all kinds of things. He's been with them up and down every single road in town, okay? And he says, it is to your advantage. It is to your advantage that I leave because I will send the Spirit. Just to, to, I, I really want to belabor this, okay? So keep going with me. Go down to verse number 13. He, the Spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Folks, the Spirit of God is in you if you're in Christ. And he desires to fulfill the purpose God has to mold us to his image. Go back with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Turn back over there. Let's see what this spirit of God that Jesus has been telling us about. I want you, I want you to see just two things here that are, are promised to us. First of all, in verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, 
and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Go back in your mind's eye to that time when you put your trust in Christ. Notice, by the way, it doesn't say you believed in it. We don't believe in the gospel. We believe in him, Jesus. When we heard the gospel and we believed in him, Jesus, we were sealed. So go back in your mind's eye to that moment when you put your trust in Jesus. I know some of your testimonies. Some of you, there are people in this room that were saved at like four years of age. Put your trust in Christ. At four, you understood that you were a sinner. You understood Jesus was the only hope. And, and you were probably there with your parents or with a Sunday school teacher. And you prayed to receive Jesus. And some of you come and you ask me, you're like, Pastor Lowe, do you think it's possible I got saved when I was four? And I think it definitely is possible you got saved when you were four. Yes. Yes. But there's others of you. You were saved much later in life. 50s, 60 years of age. Some of you just recently put your trust in Christ. Go back in your mind's eye to that moment. When that occurred, God the Father, through Jesus Christ, sent the Holy Spirit into your life as a seal now. As a seal. In the Bible times, the seal was a significant thing. Think about the tomb of Jesus. They placed that stone in front of the tomb, and what did the Roman authorities do? They placed a seal on it. What did that seal do? Really, you can think about it with two things. Two things that a seal does in our life. One is it declares ownership. A seal declares ownership. This is mine. God said this about you. You are bought with a price. You are no longer your own. When you put your trust in Christ, God put his spirit in you, his seal on you, and you are his. Oh, that's awesome. You are now owned by the God of the universe. If you question that, his spirit is there sealing you. It's why you can't run away from God. It's why this day could be the day when the Spirit of God does work in your life in a brand new way. Because you are His now. He owns you. You're bought with a price. Romans 8 says His Spirit testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God. The seal of God declares you owned by Him. But that's not all a seal does. A seal also marks that you are preserved. Think the tomb of Jesus. When that that tomb was sealed, it meant it is preserved. It is protected. It is owned by those Roman authorities. And they are saying, this is mine and I am protecting it. The Spirit of God comes to preserve you. To preserve you. That is why in verse 14 it says, He is the guarantee." Of our inheritance. The guarantee. Literally this means. This means a sum of money. Is what it literally means. This is a word for. For most commonly. The way this would happen is. There might be a piece of property. That you want to purchase. And so you would walk out. And you would see this property. And you'd be like. Yeah I think this will work for me. You know they're talking to the owner. And so you give him a sum of money. A significant, a down payment now, an earnest trust. 
And what that, what that guarantee is really doing is it's saying, I'm going to purchase this property. I'm going to go away. I'm going to gather up the money that I need and I'm going to bring it back. But that earnest, that guarantee is saying, I'm going to complete the deal. This is what God's spirit, when he came to seal you, when he came and lived in you, it is God's guarantee that he's going to fulfill what he promised. Back to the passage. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance. And what is it that we are inheriting? What is it that we are inheriting? Think about that. To be conformed to the image of Christ. This is what God is doing in your life. Now, here's what I want to do this morning. That's the passage, okay? I want to speak practically to you, just as a fellow follower of God. So I wish that we could just like, you know, sit down at a, at a, at a booth over at McDonald's and grab a cup of coffee and just have a one-on-one conversation about how this works in my life. Because that's what I want to do now. I want to just share with you, just personally, on a personal basis, how does this happen? What's, what's this process, and how does the Spirit of God work? Now, why do I want to share this with you? Why do I think it's so important? Because I think the vast number of Christians have no idea what I'm referring to. I, I, you, you hear these things, and, and you're like, maybe even could quote some of these verses, and you could maybe even teach this idea, but practically... Nobody's come alongside us. Nobody's ran up alongside of us and walked next to us and said, here's how I do it. Here's how I live out this promise of being conformed to the image of Christ. Here's how it fleshes out in my life. We don't do this for one another. And it, it, it just saddens me. I've shared with you when I, when I was a brand new teacher at Berkeley County, in Berkeley County Schools, at Hedgesville High School, I walked through the front door and who met me on day one of employment was my mentor. And she walked the next three years with me. And I would say, okay, how do I, how do I set up my grade book? How do, how do I arrange my desk in the, in the room? How do you grade papers? And she taught me. She discipled me. We don't, we don't do that for some reason. So honestly, as ineffective as it is for me to do this right now, I'm going to try it. I want to try it. Okay? So I got five little words. Okay? They don't spell anything nice. I tried to make them spell something, but it just didn't work for me. Okay? So you can, you can, if you come up with some other way to make it work, that'd be cool. I, I would appreciate it. But, but let's just look at what I've got here. Okay? First of all, the very first thing that I have to recognize as I'm just simply living out this inheritance in my everyday life, the first word I want to say to you, I think I got them for the screen. Go ahead and put them all up there, Jacob. Is yield. Yield. Here's what I mean. I must understand my role in life is simply to yield to the Spirit of God. 
And I'm telling you, you might think I'm kind of freaky, or you might even worse than that, you might think, yeah, this is true of you because you're a pastor, low. Well, listen, I wasn't always a pastor. I wasn't born a pastor, okay? I didn't come out of my mother's womb with a clerical collar on. There was a time when I wasn't a pastor, and it still worked this way. And I talk to many men and some women in this room. And it works this way for them too. This is not just pastor speak. This is you. First of all, I live yielded. And I I try to make it a regular practice of my day. Okay? I try to make it a regular practice of my day. I have to force this. I've got to force this at times. And I've got to say, God, my day is not your day. I'm sorry, my day is not my day, okay? My money is not my money. My time is not my time. My desire to get there early, because that really matters to me. But it's not mine. I will be late if that's your plan. I will spend my money unwisely if that's your plan. I will spend my time unwisely if that's your plan. And so I go through my life yielded honestly now on a regular basis i say this kind of thing to myself well it's not my time well that that dollar that was just taken to me, taken from me it's it's not my dollar well the, this family is not really my family this church is not really my church i'm going to yield my life to you. I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. I am sealed by the Spirit of God because you own me. You own my home. You own my car. You own my family. You own my wife. You own my health. You own my dollars. You own my calendar. You own every single thing. And I yield them to you. Take and use As you want. Now you need to know. If I made that decision this morning. For the day. I'd fail. Every day. Every. Practically every moment. This happens. Eh, Yield. Eh, Yield. Eh, Yield. Eh, Not my dollar. Not my time. Not my day. Not my family. Not my house. Not my car. Not my church. Not mine. Not mine. Yours you got to tell yourself this on a regular basis. Throughout the day, yield. Secondly, secondly, not only am I yielded, I must be aware of God's presence. I live my life aware of his presence. And listen, let me tell you something. You're going to think I'm a weirdo, but this is how much I believe this. If I bump into you at Walmart, I conclude God wanted us to talk. If I see you at the gym, I don't think, oh, that's weird. We bumped into each other. Nope. I think it was on purpose. I think it was on purpose. It was no accident God intended for us to connect. I live with a divine awareness. Now, not always. Remember, not always. I got to jam this back. I got to jam it back. My day is not my own. I'm yielded. 
So you, I'm aware of you, God. So when I hear something, when, you, when a person speaks to me and I recognize this is truth from God, he wanted me to hear. He wanted me to hear this today. I'm aware of his presence. Thirdly, and you guys thought I'd say this first, but I got to get through my yieldedness and my awareness to get to the next one. And that is, I have to be in God's word. Reading God's word. There are times in my life when I am so desperate, when I am so broken, when I'm so heart-wrenchingly empty that I don't even want to go to God's Word. I don't, I don't even want to open it. I want to be left alone. I want it to, God, just leave me alone. And then I think, I must yield to Him. I'm not my own. I'm aware of His presence. He's here. He just prodded me to go to his word. He's calling to me. He's saying, come sit down and let's talk. I want to speak to you as a father speaks to his son. See, I've learned in life that healing happens when I talk and when I listen. Hear that? Healing happens when I talk and when I listen. That's when I heal. So I go to God's word. I get, and I go to some of the same places over and over and over. You probably think I'm a madman, okay? I go to Psalm 23. You know, what you call the funeral psalm, Lord is my shepherd, I shall. I'm telling you, I go there all the time. My Bible's just open up to that. And I'm praying, God, I'm walking through the valley of shadow of death. At least it feels like it. And I'm not going to fear any evil because you're with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm yielded. I'm aware of, of God and, and his presence. I'm reading his word. And now listen to this one. This is, this is essential. This is, this is essential. Consistently obey consistently obey. This is a, as soon as I'm, so I'm yielded, I'm aware, I'm reading God's word, and I'm telling you, if I sense that God is telling me to do something stupid, I obey. I'm going to obey. I obey consistently, okay? You sit here, I'm sitting down. Open up to Ephesians 1. Now, I don't hear any voices, okay? Don't, I'm, not, I'm not there, but Open up to Ephesians 1 and read it. I'm reading it. Go ahead and talk to that person at McDonald's. Say hi to him. Say hi, how you doing? Say to the lady behind the counter, hey, how can I pray for you? Consistently obey. Go downstairs and say you're sorry to your wife. Oh, God. Come on now. Consistently, now, go obey. As God's Spirit, is God's Spirit speaks to my heart. I'm, I'm trying to train my flesh. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to train my body to consist. So it goes here, obey him. It goes here, obey him. Apologize. Speak kindly. Give that thing away. Say hello. Ask her how you can pray for her. Share the gospel with that dude again. 
consistently obey, immediately obey. And what happens is, as we live with this this process of obeying God's Spirit, we hear Him more. We sense Him leading in our life in a greater way. This This is how we live in this regular life of just seeing the inheritance come to play. And then the last thing is sharing. Share him with others. Share him wherever you are. I'm out one time with, with, I believe it was Pastor Billy, as a matter of fact, and he taught me something. He does that on a regular basis. If this wasn't you, it could have been. We're at dinner, lunch, at a restaurant. The waitress walks over. Hi, can I take your order? I'm so-and-so. I'm here to serve you. You give the order. She goes to walk away. And he says, hey, just a minute. We're going to pray in just a second. We're going to pray for a meal. Is there any way we can pray for you? And God allowed that person to just unleash and pour out their hurting heart upon us. And I thought, what a strategic way to share. To share him. See, that's why God has you here. You and I are his ambassadors. That's why he has us here. We have the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We have the answer that people are longing for. They don't know it. Many of them don't know it. But you're walking around like a container with this message in you. You know it. Just simply share that. You say, well, I don't know how, low. I'm not sure what to do. I just told you what to do. Just do that at the restaurant this afternoon. Give it a whirl. Obey consistently. God's Spirit right now is convicting some of you to do this today. Obey consistently just respond to him folks it's it's nothing complicated i want you to notice i didn't use one greek word i didn't turn to one you know strange verse in leviticus i didn't quote hours of scripture this doesn't require you know some huge theological training it doesn't require years and years and years of following christ All it requires is the Spirit of God in you, the seal, guaranteeing your inheritance. And here's how it works. Yield. Today, yield. This moment, yield. A thought will come in your head. It'll be a sinful thought. It'll be a wicked thought. Then you say, my thoughts are not my own. I yield this to you. It's, I hate to be just this flat out honest to you guys, but you know what a regular one I have to do is? I will see somebody ride by in a vehicle. I will ride by someone's home. I will see somebody's things. And envy comes into my heart. And I say, God, I don't want to envy. I yield that to you. Yield. Divine awareness. Know that God is He is all through your every life. He is completely invested in you as his son. 
He's like that helicopter parent in your life. He wants to be in your life. Be aware of him. Be in his word, reading his words. Go to his word, not large sections. It's not a novel. I I told you one verse, Psalm 23, verse 4. That's all I share with you, okay? Go to a verse of scripture and labor over it. Reading God's word. Consistently obey. Consistently obey. And every chance I get, I will share him. And as I do those things, guess what? God, the Son, and the Spirit are conforming me to his image. And there, I find joy. I find peace. I find connection with the Father. I find the, the feeling of that love of God. I find the abundant life that he promises. It's here. Will you come to it? Will you give him another chance? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, we know it's true. And Lord, I pray that we would recognize that it's practical. Lord, that, that you desired us to, to invest in our life in this way. That you are closer than what we realize. God, that you are here. Your arm is not short. You are in our lives. You don't sleep. You don't slumber. You are right here. May we yield. Being aware Going to your word, obeying you, Lord, consistently, and sharing our love for you with others. Thank you for the Spirit of God, our advantage that we have in Christ. Amen.